Good evening, folks. Uh, I haven't seen, uh, I haven't seen us sing and heard us sing together uh, for a little while. So that was pretty good. Praise God. Um, thank you, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I hope you guys um, got your uh, flowers from us. I want to thank. Um, four men that uh, took on that project on the last minute turn are Deacon Edgar, uh, Dustin, Brother Dustin Bond, Brother John John, Kelly, and then uh, our brother Noemiel Quinones. All took uh, addresses and took their time this morning to make sure every mom was recognized at least in that little gesture. I hope you um, had something um, I don't know, with this quarantine time, I guess you had nowhere to go. <laughs> Hopefully you're getting along with your family <laughs> today. Well, please turn your Bibles to um, the book of John still, chapter 21. We're going to be reading verses 4 to 19. Well, I know, um, well, no, Did I, is that, yeah, that's what I put there, 4 to 19. So, uh, are we coming in clear, did they say? Okay. All right, thank you very much. I have the crew back here with me, and um, that's awesome. Feels pretty good. Did you guys uh, see Robert? That's how a cajon should be played. <laughs> Whoever was playing it before, keep your day job. <laughs> Wait, that was me. <laughs> All right. Um, early in the morning, Jesus stood stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you, ha haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the, on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there, there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, 
Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, wait, I, I dread over, huh? <laughs> Let me just finish. Stretch out your hands. Someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Please join me in another word of prayer. It is the, this is the word of God. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, this privilege to be again together, to be together again, even despite the distance, despite the space. Um, you still have given us the opportunity to learn more about you, your ways and your will for us. We ask for the Holy Spirit, Father, to open our hearts and our minds to your teachings, to your voice. Guide us through your word. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, hinder us from hearing your word and learning from you this evening. We humbly ask for your blessing. Lord God, bless my preparations. But at the same time, Father, please override it as you see fit. Because let it you and you alone speak to your people once again. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. We are still in our, our series, The Aftermath. Um, let me see this. The Aftermath, the Resurrection Series. And this is the part two of our message that I entitled, Let Me See Your ID. This is the continuation from last week. Uh, let me see your ID, your identification. Who do you work for? What kind of work do you do? And what is your name? Uh, what school do you belong to? Or, um, however, your, those identification cards reveal those information. But at the same time, like last week, we did say that there are certain things that that identifies you other than an ID card. And tonight, we're gonna try to to um, distinguish. ID or identification through our our faith, through our religion, through our lifestyle. Uh, that's what we're going to try to discuss tonight using the, the reinstatement of the Apostle Peter. So tonight we have three points. Three points tonight is, the first point is obedience equals success. I know that was our third point last week, obedience equals rewards. Um, this is just a very short part of it. And then the second point is, do we love him more? Referring to Jesus. Do we love Jesus more? And then the third point is, work out of love. Our good works out of our love for God. Not because we want to attain salvation, but because of our love for him. A couple of things that I want to point out as observations from the passage that we just read. The first is the detail of the gospel. The detail of the gospel. If you guys, if you guys heard it and read it before and read it again tonight, why would they put one hundred and fifty-three large fish? Wouldn't you just round it off, right? If you were, if you were just write, writing a, a a legend or a fictional story, it's usually rounded off. But this is quite exact. One hundred and fifty-three large fish. You know why the detail of the account? You know a professor from Duke. I forgot his name um, and his, his expertise. He, he wrote a book about the four Gospels. Um, 
he was saying that there's if you were if because of the the, the validity of the gospels you could see details such as 153 large fish um, because um, because it is written from someone's memory fictional writers and books don't use these kind of details unless there's a purpose so the detail of the gospel and and you know and and for us we can rely on the val validity of the bible the truth about it because it goes as far as little details as that because god is in the details okay um that's our observation and i want to give us a backdrop of what happened to peter because this 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 reinstatement this event happened after peter committed his most epic mistake right a very epic mistake so i was trying to trying to uh, remember some stories or trying to look for stories on how i can somehow give you guys a picture on how how epic of a mistake this was from from peter how how big of a blooper it is so um of course, me knowing not knowing anything else other than sports, <laughs> I, I use a sports analogy. Uh, everybody knows, especially now, because there's this uh, uh, documentary that came out, The Last Dance. From um, uh, it's on ESPN. If you guys haven't heard it, um, everybody will probably be talking about the last shot that Steve Kerr took on the fifth championship on June 13, 1997. Uh, a pass was given to him by Michael Jordan. The whole team counted on him to make that shot, and true enough, he made it. If you know the Bulls' history, you know about you know what I'm talking about. But imagine if he did not make that shot. Imagine if he did not make that shot. You know who imagined it? Steve Kerr, and this is what he said: People would have not known who I was. Who I was really. Unless I had gotten to play with the Bulls and had some good moments. I think that shot, the last shot, elevated my status to, the, to that point to where he's popular. I was basically a guy who had stuck around the league for a while, made a career, but hadn't really done much. That's one of those moments that people remember. So good thing he made that shot, right? I get people all the time coming up to me and telling me that I was a great player. The legend grows, he said. You make a shot like that and you're remembered as, as a way better player than you actually were. <laughs> because he made a very crucial shot. But very few know about this or will remember about this. Because that, sh that winning shot happened in June 13. But in June 8th of the same year, in the same series, Steve Kerr actually missed a three-pointer with 30 seconds to go, and they lost game four. Same play, Michael Jordan drew the double double team, Stockton came to him, he passed it on to the corner where Steve Kerr was, and Kerr missed the shot. He missed the shot. After that, big blooper, that epic for him, it was the biggest, it couldn't, he, he lost sleep because of that miss. But he kept telling himself, there are other games for me to play. There are still other games for me to redeem myself. Now, there's 
the the stories of Steve Kerr, there are stories like him because, um, and we like it and we remember it, and it's for him to say and for us to remember. But there are other moments where other in other sports never got to redeem themselves, and they missed big shots, like Nick Anderson of the Orlando Magic back in 1995, the NBA Finals. He missed he missed four crucial free throws in game one that cost them the game and they eventually got swept by the houston rockets and he never redeemed himself from that game his career was actually ruined from that blooper and then there are other folks where so we can remember we know steve kerr other than being the 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 coach of the golden state warriors uh, but but we, we know we remember winners. We remember people that pulled it through. But how about people that, how about names that um, didn't pull through? Or players that didn't pull through. You won't remember their names. How about the, the wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans? Right? The, the, with that one yard, Kevin Dyson. You guys remember Kevin Dyson? Kevin Dyson was a wide receiver for the Tennessee Titans, and he caught the pass, but he was one yard short for winning the Super Bowl for his team. And they lost Super Bowl 34 against the St. Louis Rams. He never got to redeem himself. There was no game two. There was no game three. And the next year, never again did we hear about Kevin Dyson. You know, Tony Romo, the former quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. He's a, he's a believer. He loves Jesus. And he said this. Uh, you see, football is a meritocracy. You aren't handed anything. You earn everything every single day. Over and over again. That's the way the NFL is. That's, that's how football works. That's what he said before he gave uh, Dak Prescott, he had he basically just gave up his spot for the new quarterback. Unlike sports, unlike religion, our relationship with Jesus is not based on our performance. As we have read Peter's account about Jesus reinstating him, and for us, we know that he denied him three times before that, in Jesus' greatest need, his friend Peter denied him three times, just as Jesus predicted. But unlike sports or anything here in life, which is based on our performance, our relationship with Jesus, our relationship with God depends on what Jesus has done, not on what we have done. It's not based on our past. It's based on Jesus' past. Is that amazing? I believe so. I think that is amazing. So let's get... So obedience equals success. Our first point here, with everything being your backdrop, the obedience again is, is equals to success. If you look at verse 6 and then verse 10, Jesus commanded them. Jesus told... And in verse 6, they could not haul the net in. The disciples were having a hard time to haul it in. But then... And then G Peter, right? Peter jumped off the boat, swam to Jesus, rushed to Jesus. 
But before he could say anything to Peter, before Peter could say anything to Jesus, Jesus said, bring in the fish that you guys that you guys caught. What did Peter do? Jumped back in the boat, hauled it. For some reason, he had the strength. He had the strength to pull it in because he obeyed God. Right? And then other than, other than that, when the, the many times, the many hours that they were trying to fish and they couldn't catch anything and just one command from Jesus, Jesus and their decision to obey Jesus, all of a sudden they had success. The difference between these two events is Jesus telling them, or the same, it's not the difference, but it's the same thing is Jesus told them what to do and they obeyed it and all of a sudden there was success for them. Folks, when Jesus tells us something, when God tells us something, it's best for us to obey Him because the success rate behind that is, is on God. It's not on us. I know we have certain expectations. We have certain thinking, a certain way of, okay, I'm only successful if I have a degree. I'm only successful if my children are successful. I'm only successful if I have six figures in my bank. No. Success in life, success in, in our Christian life, is when God tells us something, it, we should obey it. And that alone is the success. And we, can, we will see. We will see. We will reap the rewards. God is good to reward His obedient servants. But at the same time, at the same time, it doesn't really guarantee. I know we discussed that last week, that there are people like Job that obeyed and still trial came. But more than likely, when you obey God, the first success there is you pleased Him. Now I have a question for you folks. How about you? What has God been asking you to do for Him that you still need to trust and obey Him? Because the, as the hymn goes, right? Trust and obey, because for there's no other way. Is there anything about your health? Is there anything about your wealth? Is there anything about your relationship with your children or your spouse that you still need to trust God and just obey Him? Is there anything about your career? About your plans? Last week we discussed that many times. And God will ask us to do something out of the ordinary. We discussed that for a few minutes. Most of the time, when God asks us to do something, it's really out of the ordinary. It doesn't make sense to us. But still, if we know God told us to do it, we should do it. To our second point. Do we love Him more? Do we love Him more? And you see that in 21.15 when, when Jesus asked Peter... Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, the commentaries are mixed. They have mixed uh, uh, replies on this or, or, or answers to this. Um, is Jesus asking Peter about the these part? Is it the, the other disciples that were with him? Because during the time when, when, when Peter uh, made an oath to God, that I will never leave you, even these, even if these guys will help you, I will never leave you. So did Jesus mean these, the other disciples? Or did Jesus mean fishing? His old way of life. 
his livelihood? Did he mean fishing? Or did he mean fish, the fish, the rewards? The rewards of his obedience. You know, folks, when we meet Jesus, when we meet the true and real Jesus of, of the Bible, once we accept him as Lord of our lives, we will face to answer this question. Do you love me more than these? No, your these is on you. Is, is it, do you love him more than your family? Do you love him more than your career? Do you love him more than your money? Do you love him more than the blessings that you get from him? Do you love him more than these? We will all face that question. Because once we meet the real Jesus, our lives will never be the same. Lives will never be the same. I don't know about you guys, but my life has never been the same. Once I have met Jesus, it's never been the same. He continues to ask more and more until He has all of you, until He has, he has your entire loyalty, until you love Him more than these. You know, in Luke 14, 25 to 27, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, the original language of hate here is meseo. Only Richard will probably know if I said that properly. <laughs> and he's not here right now. <laughs> but you can research it. I think it's Maseo. Of which one of the meanings is of Maseo is to love less. So to love less. So it is not telling us to, to not love our father and mother. To not love our wife or our husband. To not love our brothers and sisters. It's not saying to not to love them. This is saying that we should love God more than them. We should love God more than them. We should love God more than our lives. We should love God more than our plans. We should, if, we, if we say we love God more than our plans, can we let God interrupt our plans? I, I, I think so. I think that's, a, that's the right answer. I think that's the common sense answer. But is that our life? Do we live our life where, where, where God is okay to interrupt our schedule? I'm one, I'm big on schedule too. Because I have nowhere, you know, my clients will want to see a, a property. I have to make that appointment with them. In a certain time, I can't be anywhere else other than that appointment. But there are times where I'll get phone calls where I need to wear my, my pastor hat or my dad hat for my children or my husband hat. And I believe all of these things are from God. So I, I let God interrupt my schedule. I believe everything that I have in life, everything that I do in life is from Him. So He has all the right to interrupt my schedule because my life is for Him. Now if you are saying that you want to be a disciple of Jesus or you're claiming that you are a disciple of Jesus, do you love him more than these? 
do you love him more than these? Now again, the these is for you to distinguish. That's for you to determine. What are these that's preventing you from loving more? Loving God more and moving forward with God more. Loved ones, hear this question. Tonight and throughout the week and throughout your Christian life, do you love Him more than your these? Whatever your these may be. Now I know I said earlier that I had a couple of observations. And I um, learned that I can split my observation, not just tackle it one time. My second observation is when, when Peter approached Jesus in this account that we just read in John 21. Because he jumped. He jumped off the boat. He swam. He hurried to Jesus. Compare it to uh, the, the, the account in Luke chapter 5, verse 4 to 9. And let me read that to you, the verse, verse 8 to 9. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. It's the same thing. Uh, but that time they were at the lake of Gennesaret. And, and they were fishing too, and they couldn't catch anything until Jesus appeared by the shore. And Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. They did that. They caught a lot of fish. And when Peter saw this, he jumped. He went to Jesus. But he said, go away from me, Lord. But this time, he denied Jesus three times. He saw Jesus crucified. He saw Jesus resurrect. But why? Now he's rushing to Jesus. What's the difference? What changed? You know what changed? Peter finally understood the gospel. Peter finally understood the gospel. Peter from a religious man. Peter from a religious man who loved morality. He loved it. He loved to be the guy, the man for God. Never over my dead body, Lord. He loved being more. He loved his religion. From that man who epically failed, a man who was so proud, and he epically failed, realized, he realized, and he hoped, and he acknowledged God's grace. You know, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is different from religion. Once a person meets the true and living Christ, he is forever changed. If he understands the grace of God, even if he fails, he will run towards God, not away from God. When you truly understand God's grace, you will not stop coming to church when you sin, when you fail. That's not, that's not, you, you don't understand grace. Okay, fine, you're probably feeling bad, you're probably feeling guilty, but that's not grace. Grace is knowing the ugliness of your sin. Okay, and then you're going to repent and you're going to say, Lord, forgive me. But I know because you're gracious, because you're merciful, I can still come to you. That's what a per that's a person who understands grace. That's real repentance, by the way. You feeling for yourself, that's self-pity. That's not repentance. Okay, it's fine. You can feel the pain. Good. 
feel the pain, but get over it because Jesus has paid for that sin. It's time for you to understand what grace is, believer, if you're still staying in that rut because you fell. Understand what grace is. Grace tells you, get up. I have paid for that. Come to me. When you stay, you went back to your religion. Because the only time you want to go back to God is when you think you deserve God. So you became a religious person again. The grace of God is God's work. He made us righteous in right standing. In right standing with Him. Based on the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Not based on our works. Don't make, don't fool yourself. Your faithfulness to God's work right now, your faithfulness in your Bible reading, your faithfulness in your, in your prayer is not keeping you saved. Those are just the, the fruit of you being saved because you understand what it took God for you to be right with Him. So those are the fruit of your love relationship with Him. Those are not the things that keep you intact with Him. Yes, it, you, it, you, you read your Bible you hear God's word. He speaks to you. You pray. You speak to God. You're in that relationship. But it doesn't keep you saved. Jesus, there's no keeping saved. There's no losing your salvation. Jesus already done it. It's perfect work. It's a perfect work. It is finished. Ephesians 1, 7-8 reads, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He lavished on us. The grace of God, the gospel, is when Peter recognized Jesus standing on the shore, he threw himself in the water so he could swim fully clothed. Fully clothed. Good thing there was no cell phone then. But I think even if he had a cell phone, he'll still jump in. To shore, he swam to shore with his clothes on and collapsed at the feet of his best friend, whom he had betrayed. If we come to Jesus at all, we come in this way, desperate at the feet of the one we deny. We come to him as ugly, as dirty, as filthy as we are. That's grace. Third point. I'm excited tonight. <laughs> I could feel it too. Like, come jump. Yeah, everybody's here. That's right. I'm encouraged. If you, you guys don't see it, but um, uh, Anna printed a picture of all of you and put them in your, your favorite spots here at church. So here's Richard, there's Jeannie, there's Sharon, there's Mike, <laughs> there's Robert and Denise, and everybody else. Here's Chris. So, Maybe that's it. <laughs> the third point, work out of love. Peter's response, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. You know that I phileo you. The difference between religion and grace is that in religion, you serve in the hope that in the process, you can attain God's love and His approval and be rewarded eternal life. In grace, God has already revealed His love for you by sending His beloved Son, Jesus. And then Jesus suffering on the cross. That's grace. So 
very opposite, right? Because here, Jesus asked Peter if he agapes him, the highest form of love. And Peter's reply is, Lord, you know I phileo you, brotherly kind of love. But after that, when, when Peter answered, when Peter replied, Jesus, and only then did Jesus give Peter something to do. He put him back in leadership. He put him back to work. Take care of my sheep. You know, in Philippians 2.8, it reads, And being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. In grace, we do the work for God out of our love for Him, for everything that He has done for us and continue to do for us, especially, especially the payment for our sins that made us, that made us gain eternal life. See, Peter does not have to do the feeding of the lambs and the feeding of the sheep, 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 until he answered Jesus, until he answered the questions, do you love me? Do you love me? That's why, folks, I, I, my co-servants here in this church, if you are serving God out of obligation, you're already missing the point. Your service for Him must come out of your love for Him. Your service for Him must come out of your love for Him. Not because you want to keep your salvation or not because you want His approval. You're already approved by Him. He already is pleased with you because He sees you in Christ's righteousness. And that's amazing for us, right? And us knowing that, the more and more we know and understand what grace is, the, we cannot help it. We couldn't help ourselves. It's going gonna, it's gonna to produce this love from our hearts. And it will reflect in our, in, our, in our lives. It will show. You don't have to force yourself to come to church. You don't have to force yourself to read your Bible. You don't have to force yourself to pray. Because you, if you understand what it took God for you to be right with Him, and then if you truly understand that and appreciate it, it should produce love. And out of that love, comes work. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9 reads, we all know this, right, my fellow believers? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But I think we always leave out verse 10. And I want all of us to be reminded of it tonight. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Yes, we are not saved by our good works. And we don't keep saved, we don't stay saved because of our good works. But because we are saved by grace, we do good works because Christ is in. We are in Christ. And Christ gets pleased when He serves His Father. 
the third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? This is the only time. A couple times Jesus asked him if he, if Peter agapes him. The highest form of love. This is the only time where Jesus said, do you phileo me? Both times Peter replied, yes, I brotherly love you. While Jesus was asking, do you love me? Uh, the highest form of love, do you agapao me? And then Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? And then and this, this, is, this is Peter's prayer. I don't know if you guys prayed this too. I don't know if you guys have said this too as a prayer. He says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know that I love you. You know... Let me just discuss the, the obvious points there. I know we've discussed this many times, uh, many, a couple years ago, maybe or three years ago. Obvious points there is Peter denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus asked Peter if he loved him three times. Peter denied Jesus by the fire. If you guys will read that account. And where did Jesus try to reinstate Peter? By the fire. With breakfast. Campfire. <laughs> With food. And then twice Peter responded, brotherly love. And then the last time when Jesus said, do you brotherly love me? And then Peter responded, you know all things. You know, this could have been my response. This could have been my response. Knowing that God knows all things. Knowing that God knows all things. Because when I say that, I know that I don't always do the right thing in God's eyes. I might be doing the right thing in people's eyes. But I know that God knows and He knows that I don't do the right thing all the time. That I probably denied Him more than three times. That's why I can relate to Peter so much. That's why Peter surrendered he surrendered to Jesus at this point. He gave up arguing. He lost his his uh, his audacity or his his uh, his his uh, what do you call this? I lost my word he, because he's so stubborn, right? And he lost his his stubbornness, and he's just surrendered to Jesus because he's he probably remembered. You know what? The last time I had an argument with this guy. The last time I had an argument with him, he said I was going to deny him three times even before it happened. So he must know all things. He's omniscient. So if us, we, ha we have to remember that. God knows all things. God knows all things. God gave us somewhat of his viewpoint through the Bible. And we already know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen and when, when this coronavirus is going to end. We have an idea because of the, 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 the timeline that we're being given by the news or by the governor. But we don't know what's going to happen after that. We don't know what's going to happen after this service. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we know that God knows. And that should be enough for us. Right? That should be enough for us. Because we can trust Him that He knows all things. And in essence, this is what Peter is saying. Lord, and this is kind of like my prayer, Lord, you know that I love you. I love you, but I failed you. 
I love you, but I denied you three times. And you, I know you know that. But Lord, I hope that you know that I love you. Have you prayed that prayer before? For the many times that you've you messed up and you got busted by him or by your loved ones. And you're like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I should have not done that. I'm sorry that I failed you. I'm sorry that I denied you. I hope that you know that despite that, I do love you. And I feel like that's what Peter said here. That was Peter's resignation. He resigned to the fact that God knows all things. That God knows everything. In Peter's life, we can see and relate to him. And in the process, God reveals himself to us. If you can reveal, if you can relate to Peter, then you can relate on how God revealed himself to Peter. First, Peter, for Peter, I have been drawn, we have been drawn, I have been drawn to him ever since I became a believer. I read the Gospels back when I was a baby Christian, and uh, when he wasn't St. Peter, because that's what I was told. He was St. Peter, a guy that could never make a mistake until I started reading the Bible and I'm like, what's going on here? This is not the St. Peter that I grew up uh, knowing. He is presented to us as Jesus' friend. He, regu he regularly fails at being a good friend. And despite all that, Jesus loved him. Jesus' love never faltered. It never failed. It, it was never gone. He kept loving Peter despite the many times. Remember, Peter was the guy that Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Satan is, is a person against God's will. Right? But despite that, Jesus kept loving Peter. Jesus, to love Peter, a walking contradiction Right? That's what Peter is. He's a walking contradiction. He makes an oath and then he denies him. He says over my dead body, then he preserves his body. He's a walking contradiction. But Jesus loving a walking, walking contradiction like Peter, it should give us, it should be a good sign for us. It should be a good sign for us. Here is the paradox of for every disciple who has ever walked the face of the earth. We love Jesus and we fail Jesus. Yet, we love Jesus. Really, right? We do. It is so important that we come to see ourselves like this. In effect, Jesus is saying to his disciple, and by extension, all to follow him. Peter, I don't need your righteousness. You need mine. And I have given it to you. Even now. Even after him denying him three times, Jesus still said, do you love me? And then he got work, right? And then he brings us to God. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great of mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. That's Psalm 145, 8 to 9. Mercy and grace are two sides of a coin. And the coin is love. The coin is love. The difference between mercy and grace is mercy, mercy 
takes us to the path of forgiveness, while grace leads us to reconciliation. Mercy is the act of withholding deserved punishment, while grace is the act of endowing unmerited favor. In His mercy, God does not give us punishment we deserve, namely hell, while in His grace, God gives us the gift we do not deserve, namely heaven. If a disciple as close to Jesus as Peter can fail as epically as he did and still find him find himself firmly in the grip of the love of Christ, then you and I, then you and I, when we doubt or when we struggle, or when we fear or even when we fail, we will not be separated from his love either. If God can do miracles, because with Peter, God did a lot of work through Peter. If God did that through Peter, what can he do through you? And that is our message tonight. Please join me in the word of prayer. Dear Lord, we are eternally grateful to you. If Peter denied you three times, Lord God, we have probably denied you more than that. If not uttered by our words, maybe through our lifestyle. In the times that we, have, we should have said something and we didn't, Lord God, we acted like Peter. Yet despite all that, you came, you made breakfast, and you expressed to us through the words, through your words to him, to them, and through your actions, that we are friends and that we belong to you. That we are justified. That we are made righteous with you. The more we understand your love, the more we understand your grace. The more we understand your grace, the more we understand your mercy. The more we do this, Lord, may our love for you continue to grow. And that we may we respond to your commands wholeheartedly with love, not out of obligation, without hesitation. We thank you for all the truth that you have given to us tonight. May we remember your words. May we live our lives empowered and guided by them. In Jesus' sweet and holy name, and all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.